Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. We are here in your presence. What a privilege it is that we may enter through the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we are gathered here in unity, Father, we stand here being dressed by the full armor of God, declaring, therefore, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And we pray tonight, Lord, that you will break the yoke of bondage upon any person's life in the name of Jesus Christ. The name above every other name. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, a worthy is the Lamb who was slain. May your Spirit soak us tonight in your Word. Saturate us in your presence. Open up the eyes of our understanding and be glorified. Be glorified in the heavens, we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Ben. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we live in a world that is defiled with sickness, ludicrousy, and lunacy, and craziness. The fact that we stand here today and that we are here and we are still alive is only a miracle. God's grace and God's mercy. And from time to time, God just sends something our way that just lifts us up again and encourages us because you cannot escape the evils of the world purely because you go into the workplace on a daily basis and you're encountered or you're encountering that in your personal capacity. That's not even what's happening in your immediate circle of influence, family, friends, etc. And we had such a night, my wife and I, with Thursday evening, and we, we did share it, but it's just worth sharing it again because it touched me. It touched me. Because of God's presence. There was a school event, and you had all these choirs who, to, uh, who all partook. And the thing that I noticed was that every choir that participated sang a song about God. And I listened to this and I thought, am I the only one who sees this, who hears this? And something in me wanted to shout out, come on people, you hear and you see this, let's give glory to God. And the more... And, and what was so great about this, every time a new choir would come up to sing, the choir director would explain what the song is about. And every single one of those choir directors of those schools, they glorified God. I'm sorry, but it's the presence of God. The MC of the night at some point picked it up and she said, 
isn't this beautiful how these children sing about God and they are glorifying God? And then everything opened up to the people. And right at the end of the night, the hosting school sang a song unto God. And many of us know that song and they invited us to sing with and we couldn't hold back. And I looked at this and I, and, and I thought, Lord, you are really taking care of our children. You really are busy with our children. To that school, they must get the credit because they were keeping on glorifying God. And when I saw this, I had renewed hope that God is moving in our nation. And if he's starting with the children, he's going to reach the moms and the dads and the families. The children are going to bring back the parents. It's those moments that you receive a glimmer of hope that it motivates you just to keep on pushing in. Because none of us, none of you, and even those of you via the live stream, none of us are exempted from challenges and difficulties. And God reminds us that even through children, He will speak and you will gather the folk and the parents together and the adults will see what God is doing in the lives of the children and the nation will rise up and the prayers that we are praying in this nation that we pray every single day and especially on a Saturday, we have to believe that it's going to happen, that it's going to come to pass because our prayers are not in vain. And what we're doing is we're humbling ourselves before God because we want a better tomorrow for all of us. This is not my message, by the way. It is difficult, though, because you've come. And God's got an appointment with you, every single one of you. None of the words that I will speak tonight will be in vain because it's not my words. It is God's Spirit who still speaks. And He wants to heal and touch and restore and deliver. How many of you are sitting there in the ashes? How many of you are sitting there? Some of us are too embarrassed or ashamed to even admit it. And I know I've been there. But from the ashes, there's one way and it's up. Because this is what our Lord Jesus established for us through His resurrection. In the Bible, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, does any one of you can take a wild guess? When was the first occasion where an angel spoke to someone? Any, any, any random guesses here? In the New Testament now. Who was the first person that an angel spoke to in the New Testament? Mary, yes. Why is the woman that answers Mary? <laughs> in the Old Testament, any guess who was the person that an angel spoke to first? Sorry? It was Hagar. Hagar. Abraham's 
maidservant from Egypt. Now, if you haven't picked it up, let, let me just deliver the obvious here. God spoke to a woman first in the Old Testament, and he spoke to a woman first in the New Testament. The woman may think, yes, that's right, let the angels speak, because the men don't listen. And the men would say, yes, speak to them because they don't listen to us. <laughs> Whichever side of the aisle you are sitting at, it is one of two sides. This world consists only of one of two sides. Everything in life that we do will end up to just one particular place, the choice between life and death. There's always just, in the end, those two choices. Abraham and Lot had that same experience. When the, when the time came to choose, Abraham said to Lot, you choose where you want to go. Lot was moved by what he saw with the eye. Abraham would go along and move wherever he would go because God was with him. Death would follow the way of Lot. Soon he was almost killed. There's a battle and he was taken captive. And then Abraham sent his men with him and they all just had to go and deliver Lot. Not long after that, in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's wife, she passed away. So Lot had a very good exposure to death. Abraham on the other side, he had experience of life. But all of us get to that place where death and life becomes the ultimate two things in our life. Because everything is geared towards that. Everything will end up to those two places. Just one of the two. There's no gray area in that. You have to have certainty in your life. Where do I stand when that moment comes and I stand in the face of death and life? Because the thing about it all is that every single living organism and, and, and that which was created fight for life. God abhors anything that's death. It doesn't come from him. He didn't create it. He stands in direct opposition and hatred towards anything that resembles death. So much so that he would go down and send his son to take the keys of Hades and of death. He's got a total opposition to death. And yet many people in this world choose death. You know, if you look at the animal world, everything about them their instincts is based on survival. They want to escape death. They don't want to go to death. They don't want to be caught. They hide. They look after the one another. It's survival. It is survival and protection and security and safety. The human being is exactly the same. Nobody wakes up per day and says, yes, Lord, today is my last day. I'm going to die, so let's do what we can do. Nobody does that. Though death is something that is familiar to us, it is so unfamiliar because we know about it, but nobody lives and moves toward that. Nobody, nobody does that. And yet so many people are really out there and they are searching for it and they are welcoming it in a wrong way. People go out deliberately wanting to embrace death. But four years ago, a particular rapper 
if you don't want to rap it, it's a sing. I don't know why they call it. I, I'm, look, if it's your style and your music that you like, that's up to you. For me, it doesn't make sense, but be that as it may, it's not the point. A particular rapper said these words in an interview. Well-known rapper, he said this. In a year's time from now, everybody will worship me. Watch, in a year's time from now, everybody will worship me. Unless I die. But let's hope that I don't die. That's what he said in the interview. And a year later, he was shot dead. An American comedian, she got onto the stage a year or so ago. And at one point, she was mocking our Lord Jesus and all Christians. How can you try, and this is, I'm just paraphrasing what she said, how can you even try to think that there is Jesus who can protect you from COVID? There's the vaccine, use the vaccine. And she was mocking Christians and mocking Jesus Christ. And at that moment, she was struck down on the stage. And everybody thought it was part of her act until they saw she was still lying there. They took her to the hospital. She had concussion and a fractured skull. And what fascinates me is that when she was interviewed in one of the major news networks, she said, I really don't know what happened and why it happened. I have no words. I truly have no words. The, the man who built, who was the engineer behind building the Titanic, said, not even God can stop the Titanic or sink, or sink the Titanic. Well, four days later, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> there she is. There she is. Sadly, more than 1,500 people with her. The arrogance of man. A presidential candidate, and I won't mention from which country it is, from the South Americas a few years ago, went on national TV during his campaign and said, I will get, and I don't want to mention the number, a certain amount of votes. And if I get these amount of votes, not even God will stop me from becoming the president. It's brave when you have a crowd of fools with you, isn't it? And they voted, and he got those votes. And the day before his inauguration, he was struck with illness, and he died two months later, never to become the president of that nation. Death is so real, but so many people mock it. But we as believers hold on to it because we know this. Death in the flesh means life to us. Because there is no end for us. There is no end because death moves into eternity for us. Some of you have heard probably about this particular pastor in Nigeria in 2001. Pastor Daniel, I just want to pronounce his surname correctly as much as I can. Ekechukwu, if that is the correct way of pronouncing it. How many have heard of him by the raise of hands? Okay, great. So I can tell this story. I can tell the story the whole night. But I want to get to the bottom of it. He's a pastor of a church, and he had an argument with his wife, a vicious one. The next morning, in bitterness and everything, he, he didn't reconcile with his wife. He left, drove in his car, and on his way back, he made up his mind, I'm going to address my wife because I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. The brakes of the car went, drove into a cement slab, and he died. Not immediately, but he died in hospital. When his wife heard about this, 
Well, he didn't die in hospital, if I have my information correct, but he died. His wife was so upset about this and said, there's no way that this is his time to die. No way will I accept this. And everybody thought she was crazy. She went to the hospital and said, get his body and transfer him to another hospital. And at last they did this. They arranged an ambulance and in the ambulance he passed away. When he arrived at this particular hospital, uh, it was a death certificate was issued and he died. And still she would not... She would not accept it. She would not accept it. She would take his body in a coffin and she would drive to a stadium that Sunday morning, he being now more than 40 hours dead. And at this stadium, she heard there was a man called Evangelist Reinhard Bonker. He was ministering. And they wouldn't let her in because of security. Because at the time, this happened in 30th of November on that Friday, 2001, it was literally a few months after the whole 9-11 sad situation that happened there. So security was at an ultimate high. Eventually, one of the men came out who was one of the seniors in this whole event, and he allowed her in for her to take her husband's body and put it there in the basement of the stadium, putting him on two tables, a dead body. And some people were there around the body and they were just praying. They were just praying. And then after a certain period, suddenly he coughs and he sits up straight. More than 40 hours dead. And they started rejoicing. Reinhard Bonker would tell the story later. He had nothing to do with it. He wasn't even aware that that was going on. The point that I want to get to, whilst this man was dead, two angels came and took him to heaven and to hell. And I just want to make reference of one thing of each place that he visited. Because first he was taken to heaven and he was shown how beautiful heaven is. And he was shown a mansion. And he went into the mansion and he said the mansion had no end. There was no end to its height nor to its width. It was beautiful, glass ceiling. And there was music playing, the most beautiful music. And he asked the angel, why is there nobody in this mansion? Who's supposed to live here? And the angel said this to him, the mansion is ready, but the saints of God are not. He said, therefore, the Son of God cannot come because the saints are not ready. That same angel took him out to hell and he saw the horrific or the horrified um, if you can even call it that, there are no verbs, adjectives, or any words to describe how bad it was. And as he came out of this, the angel pointed to him. In the records that we have, if your life should end today, this is where you would end up. And he was totally shocked. And he said, how can this be possible? I'm a man of God. I'm doing the will of God. And the angel pointed him to Matthew 5:22. Listen what it says. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, and put there whoever else you want to put in the bracket of brother, if he's angry with his brother without a cause, he shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which means you are worthless, he shall be in danger of the council. So in the council they will assemble and judge you. And then he says, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. 
And in his argument with his wife before he died, this, this is exactly what he said. And on his deathbed, whilst, just before he died, they said in the ambulance, he was praying and asking that, that, that God would save him. And, 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 he, and he mentioned this. And the angel said, your prayers were not heard because you did not forgive and you did not repent. And then he gave the scriptures. He says here, Matthew 6, 21, 22. He says, and he also gave Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15. You must forgive. And then, he, and then he gave him this scripture, Matthew 5, verse 7. Those who are merciful will have mercy. And he had no mercy on his wife. And obviously he was taken out. And today he's ministering. And this, this is what the angel said to him. Why is it that the Lord brings him back to life? He says, your resurrection will serve as a sign this will be the last warning for this generation. 20 odd years ago, we are in that generation. God's word speaks of it. This message just confirms it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, three occasions in the Bible, only three, listed where he raised people to life. And it's fascinating, these three individual events by themselves and in themselves are fascinating. All of them pointing to the death and the resurrection of Christ, all three of them. And when you put them together, the three of them, you see such a divine thread. The Word of God is just absolutely amazing. The first incident was the widow of Nain, where her son had died and Jesus just arrived and outside the gate he saw this. And he said to her, do not weep. And he said to the son this. just want to get the right. He said to the son, young man, I say to you, arise. That's all he said. And immediately the son came up. And the word says, and Jesus gave the son back to his mother. And this was already pointing forward to the crucifixion because there on the cross, Jesus said to Mary, your son, woman, your son. And he said to John, your mother. He gave, instead of himself, he gave John as his replacement to take care of Mary, just as this son would take care of his mother, the widow. Then there was Jairus, whose daughter died. And Jairus came to our Lord Jesus and he begged him. He said, come to my house. You see, the, the widow didn't say a word. But Jairus comes and he asks for the Lord, and the Lord on his way there feels power goes out from him because then he heals a woman who was suffering from bleeding. Jesus was on his way to resurrect someone from the dead, but there can be no resurrection if there's not blood poured out. You see how profound the word of God is? And when they saw what Jesus did, They marveled, those who were with him. But before he went in, all the others around him said to him, you are crazy. She's not sleeping because he said she's not dead. She's sleeping. And then there's Lazarus who was raised from the dead. Four days later, I think, well, there's, there's reason in that, which I'll explain shortly. But Jesus made sure he was properly dead. He was properly dead for four days. You see, in that time, I'm not sure if it's still so today, but Jewish custom at the time, 
headed that after three days, they would be convinced that a person's spirit would not return. So after four days, there was no chance by their estimation. And what's interesting, when Jesus came to the grave of Lazarus, he said this, remove the stone. Why didn't Jesus remove the stone? Because he had the power. I mean, if you raised him from the dead, he had the power to remove the stone. Because Jesus' stone was not yet removed by the angel. Because it is the reproach of men that would be removed by the stone that was removed. That had not taken place as yet. And if you just go back to the situation of the, the woman that was bleeding. Fascinating, fascinating. That she was 12 years suffering. The older woman. The young girl being 12 years old who was dead. They represent the old and the new covenant. Because the old covenant had to come to its fulfillment, to being filled. And only the blood of Jesus Christ would do that. You see, she was suffering just as the people suffered under the old covenant because they were trying to uphold the laws and they were failing dismally. You see, the new covenant could only come into existence. It was still young and in its infancy stage. Hence, the young girl. But only in, the old only in the new covenant there is resurrection. And if you take these three events together and you see how it dovetails, pay, pay attention now. Pay attention. The first situation, there was a burial for public display. The Word of God says there was a crowd who accompanied the mourners. Jesus arrived from Capernaum with the crowd. So it was public. The second one with the, with the girl that died, that was in a room. That was private. Lazarus was in the grave. Death cannot hide in public, cannot hide in the room individually. It cannot even hide in the grave. Because the grave is still empty and death has been defeated. Because out of the ashes we will rise because death has been defeated. Jesus took death and he made a public spectacle of it and he showed his power even in public in the, in, in the vicinity of everyone for the world to see and also for you in your individual capacity and also even in the grave. The grave was gravely fearing the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because as I said earlier, God opposes any form of death. He stands in opposition to it. Death has got nothing on you and I because Christ has already overcome it. And listen to what had happened. When Jesus came to the, to the widow, she said nothing. Jesus, it says Jesus had compassion on her. That's why he healed. When Jairus came, he said, he moved by faith because he came and asked for Jesus. And when Lazarus was raised, Mary and Martha knew that he was the Messiah. Martha would even say, we know that you will resurrect him because you will resurrect us all. They knew he was the Messiah. Even through death, even through your difficult situation, the Lord has got compassion. And for those who have faith, he will show himself to be the Messiah. Death has got no and nothing on us. That is the power 
of what is available to all of us. And then I want to get, and I want to close with the scripture. This is the highlight of it all, because it says here in John 11, 25, 26, and this is such revelation. Jesus said unto her, that was Martha now, I am, that's just before he would resurrect Lazarus. He would say, I am the resurrection and the life. Key words. He that believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. And verse 26, and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Understand this. You have to get this. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection, he's going to resurrect everybody from the dead. Everyone, believer and not an unbeliever. Everyone is going to be resurrected. He's got that power because he took death away. But the unsaved, the unbeliever will be resurrected to be judged for eternity. When he says he's the life, that moves over only to the believers. He's resurrecting everyone, but only the believers will be resurrected into life. He's got such power that he even resurrects the dead. The dead has got nothing on him. And this is the God that's in you and me and the one that's in the world and the one that we serve. And yes, the key for tonight, believers of Jesus Christ will not be saved if you only believe. Because verse 26 says this, they who live in me and believe in me, they shall not see death. You can't just believe in Jesus. You've got to live in him. Your life shows that you live in him or if you don't live in him. And when you live in him, then the resurrection is happening for you. Out of the ashes, it will come. Can these dead bones rise again? Can a nation be born in a day? Can in one night, in one night, can a nation move from poverty and slavery into wealth? Can in one moment, in one moment, the walls of Jericho come down and you will enter into the promised land? Can these dead bones rise again? Be Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, it is possible. If we live in Jesus and if we believe in Jesus, we will see the resurrection of the dead. Whatever your situation is, whatever the circumstances is, how shameful it may be to you, how horrified it may be to you, how hopeless you may even think about this. For Christ, nothing is impossible. He defeated death and he made a public spectacle of it. Death has lost its sting and the keys of that sits in the hand of the Almighty Jesus. That's where death sits, in His hands. Our death in the flesh, therefore, ends into life and that's eternal life for all of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For Jesus Christ accomplished this all for us. Please bow your heads for me. If you stand like that Pastor Daniel, thinking that you are right, but you know if there's something, just one thing in you that you know that is not right, and if you get your moment to stand before God and you can say, I know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you are that person who have any form of doubt, we must make right tonight. If that is you, I ask you to please raise your hand. Make right 
tonight. Be absolutely sure. Don't even leave anything open, anything to the possibility that may not be you. If you've never made the Lord Jesus Christ your Savior, by confessing it and speaking it, and by believing it in your heart that the Father raised him from the dead, then I would ask that you please raise your hand as well for us. Please, if there's any form of uncertainty, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Now we say that the enemy will not withhold the people that needs to come back into the kingdom of God. If there's any doubt in you, please raise your hand for me. Thank you. Thank you. We praise God for this. And there is more. Thank you. Thank you. You only have one opportunity in life and you never know when it's going to end for you. You have to be sure. Can I ask that those who have raised their hands, will you please stand for me? Because you are that important. Please, please stand for us. Yes, don't be shy. Please stand for us. And there at the back for me as well, dear sister, you are just that important. Please stand for us. Will you please welcome them to the front? Please come to the front for us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please come. Because tonight, all uncertainty is being removed. You will have your confirmation and certainty in Christ. Because this is what God does. God removes every lie of the devil. And he comes and he gives you the clarity in spirit. Here's the thing that I want to explain. When Jesus Christ resurrects any situation, he will resurrect it to its former state in the physical. But in the spirit, he resurrects you into newness. Your spirit is made new because you are born again, your spirit. Your soul, your mind become new. And your body from here on in must become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are precious. You must never doubt that. So often we judge ourselves by what we see in the mirror. Because what we see in the mirror, we see the frailties and the shortcomings of ourselves. God never looks at you that way. So from today on, I want to say to you, don't you dare from here on in measure yourselves by the opinions of people. In the Word of God, therein lies your identity. And He paid a price for that so that you would become in His image and likeness again spiritually because in the natural you are there already. Your names are written today in the Lamb's Book of Life because of what you have done. And I want to ask that everybody just raise their hands to the heavens for us. I will pray and I pray that everybody just repeat after me as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for His body on the cross. Because now I know, as I confess with my mouth, that Jesus Christ is the living Son of God. And I believe in my heart that He was raised from the dead. The punishment of my peace was upon Jesus. By His stripes, I am healed. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit and open up the eyes of my understanding. I forgive all people that have sinned against me. I set them free 
and I bless my enemies. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering. Wonderful. Behind you, you've got people who are elated at this occasion. They just want to spend a short minute or so with you, pray for you, and from here on in, you are never alone. Welcome to the house of God where all of us, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we all serve the same God. We are one big family. You are so precious. Please follow to your left-hand side, that pastor there for me, and you will be back shortly. Amen. Amen. Oh, you know, in my heart, I feel there's brokenness in many people here. I know. And for some of you, it is just too much. And I know some of you won't come out. But that's okay. I'm not going to labor that point. If there is a place in your life that you know that ashes must become beauty. In other words, it is so desperate for you that you just need us to pray with you in agreement to rise up. Yes, the key, the Word of God says tonight, if you live in me and if you believe in me, says the Lord, you will not see death. You will live forever. Whatever that situation for you may be, I want to ask that you would please come to the front because we would love to pray with you. We would love to do that. Whatever that situation is, because here I want to give you a scripture. Isaiah 61 verse 3. The Lord will give you beauty instead of ashes. He will give you the oil of joy for mourning. He will give you the garment of praise when you suffer because of a spirit of heaviness. And he says, you will be called trees of righteousness in the planting of the Lord. You are planted in God. And then he says, because through this God will be glorified. That is your promise for tonight. So if you want us to pray over your situation, please come to the front for me. We would love to pray for you. Whilst the band will be playing, you must come to the front because it is resurrection night. Ashes must go and life must enter because our Christ paid the price for that. Whatever that situation is, believe tonight that out of the ashes you will rise because no longer your situation will be as what it is. Believe that. Believe that. You must believe that because there's power in that belief. So whilst the band is playing and I'm asking the pastors and their wives, those of you here, help us pray and we trust in your breakthrough. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.